Hello, and welcome to another episode of Heavy Pages, a Divorce Journal. This is Josie, your host, and this is a Topic Tuesday episode where we discuss topics that have to do with separation, divorce, relationships, co-parenting, children, and anything else that tickles our fancy. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another Topic Tuesday episode. I'm really excited about today's topic. I actually was inspired by another podcast that I listened to discussing how women statistically get the short end of the financial stick after divorce. And I wanted to talk about this because I don't really think it's just after divorce. I think it's all the things before we're married and during the marriage that sets us up for what comes after a separation and divorce. So I wanted to talk about my experience and give you some suggestions and tips on how to not fall into that trap if possible, how to do it better than I did, at least. So I'll start with saying as a Catholic, Hispanic woman, or girl, my parents were not really big on talking to my sister and I, as far as I remember, about, you know, going to college, getting a career, getting um, an education above high school. There was really no push for that. Um, My mom taught us how to cook and clean and uh, how to be good homemakers. My, both of my parents were very strict on Stay a virgin, keep yourself pure for your husband, your future husband. But they weren't really big on, you know, get a job, get a career. You know, they were not really big on teaching us anything about finances on to any of the kids, you know, the boys or the girls. Uh, unfortunately, they were not good with finances. So there wasn't really anything that they could teach us about it because they really had no idea either. And probably their parents didn't teach them anything about it either. So, you know, uh, I can't blame them for that. They were just doing the best they could, but they didn't have the tools to help us learn how to, how to be financially healthy, I guess would be the word I would use. So basically, what from watching, you know, pop culture and, and, and movies and shows, us as the girls, we would see, oh, look, the wife, the homemaker, uh, the mom, and look, the dad is the the breadwinner, the one going out there and, and bringing home the bacon. But when he comes home, the mom is there, the, the kids are clean, the house is tidy, dinner's on the table. Okay, that's our role. And that is a role that is still to this day, even though I think it's getting better, but it's the role of the woman, You don't really see a lot of, hey, the man goes to work and then comes home and cooks dinner for the kids because the husband and the wife are both working and then he comes home and cooks the dinner. Though I do know that it can happen and that it might happen, but that's still not the narrative that is pushed. Of course, it doesn't really benefit men to push the narrative of, hey, we can work equally and still be equal at home too. That, but that's a whole nother conversation. So my point is that um, for me personally, 
my opinion about my future. I didn't really care for school. I didn't have a career that I ever really wanted. I was okay being that mother and wife. That was what I envisioned for my future. A wife, a mother of a couple children, uh, the homemaker. That's That was my goal. And when I met my future husband... I was working. I I will say I didn't have a problem with working. I always worked. Um, In fact, I worked two and three jobs at a time because um, most I had a couple that were, well, all of them were part-time. So uh, I would go to one job in the morning and then I would go to the other job in the afternoon. And then if I had a day off of two, I would go to the third one because I didn't, I wasn't scared of work. I just didn't have any ambition about a a career that I wanted. So I just did jobs that I kind of enjoyed. Uh, I actually ended up being a character at a theme park, which was um, a really fun job. I had that one for a couple of years. And that is what I was doing when I met um, my future husband, when I met Guy. And it was uh, a full-time job. I still wasn't great finance, you know, with finances. I didn't have like a bunch of savings. I I paid the bills at home, uh, you know, because my parents were not great with their finances. All of us children pitched in with a bill at the house, which I also think is fair. I don't think that's the a wrong thing, but you know, we we took care of a each one of us took care of a bill. Right now, I don't remember which one mine was, but um, I did also have a bit of credit card debt. Um, I. I must have had a savings, but I'm sure it was like under a thousand dollars, you know, maybe even under five hundred dollars. I I'm pretty sure I lived close to paycheck to paycheck, but I mean I didn't really have anything. I didn't have any big responsibility, so I didn't really see that as an issue. So when I met Guy, he was a college student and he moved to my state to be with me. So he came without a job and without a uh college a, f- a college degree and but right away he was able to get a little part-time job somewhere we were able to move out of my parents house into an apartment um, or I was able to move out of my parents house uh, into an apartment when he came down and then he slowly relatively quickly started getting better jobs. He was really smart when it came to technology and computers. And um, he did have the, well, pretty soon after he moved down here, I got pregnant, which really motivated him to study and take certification courses and, you know, get get better jobs, which he did. I definitely will always give him props for that. He definitely was able to move the needle financially and get us um a decent amount of income. So I then, uh, my job uh, at the theme park was a contract job and the contract uh, expired when I was about seven months pregnant. And that was fine with me because the baby was on the way and I was going to be, we discussed it and I was going to stay home and take care of our son. At this point, we lived back at home with my mom and dad so that we could save up some money to uh, move into another place on our own. And I did still plan on possibly having a little part-time job in the evenings when he got back from work so that he can watch our son. But for the most part, it was going to be a stay-at-home mom situation. And I was okay with that. (music) 
the problem with that, and this is my first tip to you, is that I was the stay-at-home mom. And so the income that came in from Guy's job, we took it to take care of the bills. And I didn't ever like open up my own account, my own checking account or savings account and put a little money on the side for me, which is something that I highly recommend that you do. Even if you're in the happiest, most satisfying, most in the strongest relationship you feel you have like your, your foundation of your relationship is strong. You're good. That's fine. And that's great. You should still have a savings account in your own name so that you have a little bit of money put aside in case of an emergency. You never know what might come up and maybe you never need it. And great. One day you can, you know, give yourself a big purchase or, or take, you know, your husband and yourself on a vacation, but it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Trust me. I know because I was there. I assumed, like most of us do when we get married, that this was going to be my life and my future. My husband was the breadwinner. I was the stay-at-home mom. I made sure the house and everything was taken care of. I did take care of the bills also as the, well, just because I was better at it than he was, I took care of all the bills. But this is my second suggestion to you guys. And another huge mistake that I made was I I prioritized his bills, his credit over mine. He had the job and the income. So if we were going to buy anything, we were going to be buying it off of him and his credit. So I made sure all of his student loans were paid off. I made sure all of his credit cards were paid off. But Over on my side, before I met him, I had decided to go to school for a little while to, you know, give it a try. It didn't last. I was there for maybe a semester. I had a student loan and I continued to put my student loan on deferment and pushed off payments and pushed off payments because why take care of my bills? We're not going to be able to use my credit for anything. And his credit is the one that matters because he's the one who has the purchasing power because he's the one who has the job. And I totally neglected my credit. I basically had horrible credit. I had bills and debts that I entered into the marriage with. And eight years later, when the marriage was over, I walked out with those same bills and with zero credit because I made it all about him. Do not do this, please. You and your credit are just as important as his. It's, this is my fault. This was not something that he pushed on me because I'm the one who handled the bills. But in my mind, I put him and his credit and his value, I mean, let's be real, I valued him higher than myself because he made the money. I didn't, I mean, I felt like what I did in the house was of value, taking care of our son, taking care of the house, taking care of him, making sure the house was clean, making sure that there was food on the table, you know, all of those things. I felt like, I was um, a valuable part of the team, but it never translated into anything money-wise. And when we broke up, none of that mattered because he would go and, well, of course, I still kept my son and took care of my son, but, uh, you know, he went and did his own stuff. And so all of the things that I did were no no longer mattered and they weren't attached to any money. So I was basically left 
destitute. I mean, let's be real. I, I had no career. I had no secret savings account. I had no credit. I was bottom of the barrel. Not only that, but I had just been devastated by an unwanted separation. I was not looking to get separated or divorced. This was what he wanted, not what I wanted. Um, so I'm, I had to move in with my mom and I didn't have to move in with my mom, but this is another, this is another lesson for you because I did not bring in the money because I also allowed knowing that I didn't bring in the money. I allowed that to beat me down for years. I continued to tear my own self down, my own value down because I did not bring in the money that when we separated by his choice, because he wasn't happy and didn't want to be in the relationship anymore, I left. I took my son. I left my house so that he could keep the house because I couldn't afford it anyway. And he's the one who makes the money. So he gets to keep the house. I made that decision and I kick myself for it. And I will probably always kick myself for it, even though I know I should probably let it go. But that was one of my biggest regrets. I should have stayed in my house. He was the one who wanted the separation. He should have gone and figured it out. And how are we going to pay the house? Well, he's going to have to figure that out too. But I didn't. I, I left. And part of that was because I had tore myself down so much because I did not bring in money. There was so much emphasis on being the breadwinner and bringing in the money. And I'm sure that he put um, a little pressure on me, not so much to get a job or anything, because I will always say that I did try and bring in money during the entire marriage. I would do, you know, I would sell crafts or I would take little part-time jobs. I was always trying to bring in some money, but it was never, ever going to be to the extent of what he brought in. And there was some financial fights between us because I think, you know, like I mentioned, my parents did not teach me how to be financially smart. Um, guy knew nothing about finances. I mean, he came from a, a, a disaster of a, of a upbringing. Uh, so nobody taught him anything about finances. And he was even a little worse than I was because there were so many things that he was deprived of growing up that he couldn't have that once he had money, he wanted to just keep buying things. He, you know, materialistic things were kind of what validated him and made him feel like I've made it. And, you know, there were fights all the time because I was like, you know what? We need to not be spending all this money. We need to not be spending all this money on, you know, silly stuff, materialistic things. We we could be doing better. We could be doing more. And then he would get mad because he was the one who brought in the money. And then I would start feeling guilty and, um, how dare I tell him how to spend his money? And it just was, it was just never, that was just always going to be a disaster. Which also brings me to my next point, which is learning about being more financially smart. I mean, if you don't, if your parents didn't teach you, you know, finances, go out and read books, go and find people. I listened to a lot of Susie Ormond and, um, and David Ramsey. I didn't follow everything that David Ramsey said. I didn't follow everything that Susie Orman said. I did a mixture of the two. And um, they definitely helped me um, 
they definitely gave me a lot of good perspective and um, helped me with a lot of different ways to think about money and to handle money. Obviously, unfortunately, that was after my separation and divorce, but during the marriage, we made a lot of financial mistakes together. Like when we bought this house, a great house, it was such a super deal at the time, but because you know he wanted to keep buying things and money was always tight, we refinanced the house a couple times and then we got a second mortgage, which was absolutely bonkers, but we did that. And worst of all, if you listen to you know the financial gurus, we took one of the uh, refinances to refinance the car payments. And you are never supposed to refinance and put into a 30-year mortgage a car or something that's going to depreciate in value. You're going to be paying 30 years for a car that wouldn't even maybe last 10. Don't do it. Big mistake. We did it. So one of the other reasons why I had to walk away from that house was because of all of the poor choices we made when we separated that mortgage, I think that when we first got that house, and this was obviously quite a few years ago, our mortgage was probably right at $1,000. But when we separated, that mortgage was $1,600. And this was a big deal back then. This was, we're talking 10 or more years ago, 15 years ago, probably. That's a lot of money. And Obviously, I didn't have any money to pay it. He wasn't going to be able to pay that and wherever he was going to live. It just was not possible. That house was going to have to go. And it only had to go because of our poor financial choices. So don't do that. If you feel like you're not being smart with your money and you don't know what to do, do some research, listen to some podcasts, read some books. Trust me, it will help you. So when Guy and I separated, I moved in with my mom. I had no income. I had no credit. I had my son and I had to start from scratch. It was such a it was such a horrible thing to add along with being separated when you didn't want to, along with being devastated about being broken up with. If it would have been, you know, it would have lightened the load a tiny little bit at least if I was a little more financially secure, but I wasn't. So you just add that onto it. And unfortunately, many of us women will have that same issue. You're not thinking about when you, if you get separated or divorced, but that's along with the heartbreak, along with everything that comes with an unwanted separation financial struggles is it's just something that if you can avoid and you have more of a power to avoid the financial struggle than you do your partner deciding they don't love you anymore because you can't control that but you can control having some money on the side so that if it was to happen you're not just you know caught with your pants down so what happened to me well i got a I moved in with my mom and then I started going back to school. I decided to go back to school while my mom helped me watch my son and um, he was at school. And then Guy did start giving me child support and that was helpful. I will also give him props that he paid the child support the entire time that we 
until my son turned 18, I never had a problem. I'm not going to say I didn't have a problem, but I really, I didn't have a problem. He paid it. He might have paid it and then asked to borrow it right back, which I would lend him sometimes, but um, he always paid it. I didn't have a problem with that. And at that point in time, he was actually making decent money and I was getting $850 a month for child support, which actually, let me go back, is not actually the case. In the beginning, we agreed on $850, but we had made another huge mistake of buying a new car and we got into a car payment of $425, which is ridiculous. And again, I say ridiculous because I'm still talking about 15 years ago, at least. 15 years ago, a $425 car payment was just stupid. I mean, it was stupid. I don't even know what we were thinking. We were not thinking. We just, hey, we want a car, $425? Sure, we'll do it. Huge mistake. Do not do that. This is something else that I learned by, you know, watching and, and reading about finances and don't do that. Buy, and we bought it new, brand new off the lot, which, you know, Dave Ramsey would, you know, flip out over. You don't buy a new car because you drive it off the lot and you already are losing money. It's already depreciating the moment you drive it off the lot. But we bought a brand new car. a month. It was outrageous. So when we separated, I kept that car because he had another one. Instead of giving me the $850 a month, he would continue to make the car payment and then he would give me $425 a month. So I had $400 to live on and a car and at my mom's house. That's not a lot. So I... um, decided to go back to school. I stayed with her for a while. And I remember that when I went to finally try to apply for some appoint, uh, for some apartments, it was just another one of those, you know, the hits that kept on coming during that time. Nobody would give me an apartment because I had no credit. I started working. I had a little bit of money coming in, but I had no credit and nobody would give me an apartment. So I actually had to reach out to Guy and be like, listen, I'm ready to, to move away from my mom's house. I'm ready to take our son and give him a room and a home of his own. But I can't get um, in an apartment because they need a co-signer. Will you co-sign for me? He was still my husband at that point. We were just separated, you know, on our way to divorce, but we weren't in a rush about the divorce. So he was the, per- the only person I could think of to ask, and it was a house for his son. And would you believe, of course you can believe this when I tell you, he didn't want to. He was concerned about his credit and, oh, I don't want to put another thing on my credit. So he gave me pushback about co-signing an apartment for his son. Yes, for me, but also for his son. And I will tell you that I still remember the rage I felt that day. I still remember how he was worried about his credit when I had no credit because all I did was put myself last in our marriage. And now that I needed his help, he couldn't be bothered. It was another moment in my life that pushed me to realize that I needed to make sure that nobody ever was more in charge of my family. 
more in charge of my finances than me. I was never again going to put my finances or my financial future in the hands of anybody else. I did end up getting an apartment. I'm not, I don't think he co-signed. I'm pretty sure that he didn't. I actually found a place um, that I was able to get into. I think maybe he did like sign a letter saying that maybe instead of $850, he was giving me a thousand or, you know, for child support, maybe something like that happened. I seem to feel, but otherwise I was able to get uh, my own place in a little income restricted apartment complex that I lived for three years that I was proud of. I mean, from being broke and living with my mom and having nothing to being able to take my son into uh, his own little apartment, a two bedroom apartment that I was paying for with my own money was, it was just one of those moments, just one of those gratifying moments, just more proof that I can survive, that I will survive, that I can do this, that I don't need Guy, that I don't need his money. So the tables were quickly turning between a guy and I. I started building my credit and he started ruining his credit because he started buying 20 million things, getting 20 million credit cards and just not being smart with his money at all. In fact, before we got divorced, he was still paying. We still had that agreement about the car. He pays the car. I get um, the other half of the child support. And the, one of the reasons why I did that was because the car was in his name. So, you know, it made sense that he continued to pay it and all that. Well, one day I'm leaving my little tiny income restricted apartment to go to work and I go out and I can't find my car. My car is not there. I start freaking out that somebody stole my car. I'm like, somebody stole my car. How is that possible? My dad was visiting me actually at that time and we got into his truck and he drove me around the parking to see if maybe for some reason I had parked it somewhere else and um, we went all around the neighborhood and I couldn't find it and I and I was just mind blown. This has never happened to me before. Why would someone steal my car? So I called the police and I said, my car has been stolen and I always remember that they said, where do you live? What's your address? Whatever. And then they said, call your finance company. And I was like, what? And they said, call your finance company. And then I'm like, did my car get repossessed? And they said, all we can tell you is to call your finance company. And it's a weird feeling because all the freak out and stress that I was having about my car being stolen, the moment that they said that, I just felt this peace. And then I understood my car was repossessed. Guy didn't make my car payments. The car is gone. So my next phone call was to Guy. And I was not a bitch. I just said, hey, are, have you been paying the car? And he's like, um, well, um, and I'm like, it's gone. They repossessed it. And he freaked out and he, he freaked out and I was trying to calm him. I mean, sometimes it just blows my mind, but I was calming him. You know what? It's fine. Relax. He's like, oh my God, the blah, blah, blah. You know, I can't believe it. I'm so sorry. Oh my God. You know, freaking out. And I'm like, just relax. Don't worry about it. He was super embarrassed because my dad was there visiting when this went down. And, you know, and here is 
one of the most mind-boggling parts of this. It was three months that he hadn't paid, so they repossessed the car. Three months at $425 was $1,275, is that right? $4,812. And he was able to give me that money like the next day. So he had the money. But he was so irresponsible that he wasn't making his payments. He was ruining his credit even when he had the money to pay the bills because he couldn't be bothered to pay the bills, okay? It wasn't that he didn't have the money. It was that he was not being responsible financially. He was ruining his credit. This thing that I put above myself for eight years, he destroyed in honestly, less than a year, maybe less than 18 months, his credit was destroyed. The repossession was, forget it. I mean, after that, it was done for. Well, we went to go get the car and they said after it was repossessed that they wouldn't just take the three months payment, that you would have to pay the full note. Well, I wasn't doing that and he wasn't able to do that. So the car was repossessed. That was it. He, the car was gone. And Actually, for me, it turned out to be a blessing because I now was getting the full $850 child support, which was, hey, very helpful. And then I went out and with my good credit, I was able to get my dream car. I financed a, a Mustang. It was like five years old, a five-year-older model, I think, might have been maybe six years, seven year older, doesn't matter. It was a, it was a Mustang. I always wanted a Mustang. I got this Mustang and with my credit, I was able to get a car payment of under $200 a month. So I was absolutely winning in this scenario. And I was winning because I had been smart. I had been smart with my money. I had been smart with my finances. I had the money for a down payment. I was no longer living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, it was just another uh, another moment where I realized this is it. I'm doing this. I can do this. I I am not what I thought I was. I wasn't the the loser, the 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 the, the nobody, the 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 person that had no value. I can do this. My son and I are going to survive and it's going to be because of me. It's such an amazing feeling, and I, I, I can't wait for you all to have this feeling, to know that you can do this, that you don't have to rely on a man and his money to support yourself. It can be done. It can be done. And, and, and I don't think that there's a bigger, more amazing feeling in the world than knowing that you can financially support yourself and your children. Also, I will mention that um, when we got separated, we discussed what we were going to pay, what he was going to pay child support wise. And then I always, and I think this was a pride thing, and I'm not going to say that you should do this, and I'm not going to say that I was even right in doing this, but we were together for eight years. When we finally got divorced, it was 10 years. By then I already had a a job. I had my own apartment. I was not making anywhere near the money that he was making, but it was enough for me to have a good life with my son. And I chose not to ask for 
spousal support, even though I believe at the like eight and 10 year mark, I probably would have been um, given some, maybe not for the rest of my life or until I got remarried, but maybe for a few years, but I didn't want it. I felt this need to say no. I don't want your money. I don't need your money. I can survive on my own. Absolutely, you will pay child support because you will be responsible for your son. I'm not going to say no, don't pay child support because he is your responsibility. And of course, he wasn't asking me to say no to child support, but I chose to not push for any sort of um, spousal support. I said no. I will survive on my own. I don't want your money. And this was a pride thing. And, you know, when I think back on it now, I, you know, jokingly, but I'm like, dang, I could have used some of that money. That was stupid. I I could have used some of that, but I didn't need it. And he would have really struggled giving it to me, not because he made money, but because he was terrible you know, with his money. So like I had mentioned before, there came a time when he would um, pay the child support and the way he paid the child support, which, you know, was funny was because we had a joint checking account still. Like he kept um, our joint checking account and I went and opened one on my own. And it was helpful because if there was something that needed to happen, we could, I, I, because I could transfer funds between both accounts and so for many years, you will not believe how many years after we divorced, we continued to have a joint checking account that I never touched. I never touched it. It wasn't my account anymore, um, but he never got rid of it. He, this just kind of goes to show you, you know, his priorities and finances and whatever. He just was like, well, you know, my, my check gets deposited in there. I don't feel like dealing with it. So for, I'm going to tell you, we just closed that account last year, 2021, and we got separated in 2006 and divorced. Uh, no, separated in 2004 and divorced in 2006. So you can do the math on how many years he continued having a joint checking account with me where he put all of his money. But, you know, that kind of goes to show that regardless of how much drama there was between us and how much we were mad at each other and whatever, he knew he could trust me and I wasn't the type of woman that was ever going to touch his money. But while our son was growing up and he was paying child support, um, it was very easy. When he would get paid on Fridays, I would reach out to him and say, hey, it was your payday. I'm going to call the bank and do a transfer for the child support. And he's like, cool. So I would do that every paycheck. He got paid twice a month. So twice a month, I would call the bank and I would do a transfer from our joint account, his account, to my account transferring half of the child support. So he wouldn't have to pay it all in one lump sum. He would just pay part of it with each, each paycheck. But sometimes he would, uh, I would do the transfer and then he would say, listen, money's really tight, whatever. Do you think that I could borrow the child support money and I will give it back to you? And sometimes he would borrow more than what the child support money was. And I would say... Yes, no problem. And I would transfer money from my account back to our joint account so he would have money for whatever it was he needed. And I did it and people would say that I was crazy about for doing it. But honestly, I'm not going to lie. It was such a power trip for me to be like, 
I am lending this man money. I am lending him money. When, when we divorced or separated, I had nothing. I was broke. I had nothing. And now he needs to borrow money from me and I can afford to lend him money and it doesn't affect me. It was a power trip and I was proud of myself to be able to do it. You know, of course, I didn't mind helping him, but more than that, it would just boost my ego to be like, this is what I can do for him. So, wow. I mean, this has been a bit of a rambling episode and I just, I hope that what I'm, what you're getting out of this is more than just me telling you what a crazy adventure my divorce journey has been, but to show you how in so many different aspects, there is another side to it and you can get to that other side to it and you can get to that other side without them, without the man's money, without the man's support that you can get to the other side. You can rely on yourself. You can be the provider for you and your child, your children. It can happen. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be scary. Um, you're going to cry a lot. I know I did. Uh, you're going to, um, it's going to be a roller coaster, but it can happen. You just need to put in the work, read what you, if you don't know what, if you don't know what you don't know, read and listen and, and, and find out and just continue to build yourself up and know that you can do it. That's the biggest part. Know that you can do it. Believe that you can do it. And you will. You will do it. You will be looking back one day and saying, I can't believe where I've come from. I'm so proud of myself. And, and I'm proud of you too because I know it can be done. So on that note, I think I'll end this one here. Thanks for listening. Good luck with your finances. Go open up that checking account or savings account and start putting some money in there. And I will, I'll catch you on the next one. And with that, we'll be wrapping up this week's episode. As always, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to my podcast. I know you have many other options to choose from. If you would like to join a community of women to discuss further details of the episodes and to reach out to me, you can find a link to our Facebook group in the show notes. If you just want to drop me a quick note, you can do so at www.heavypagespodcast.com. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast and haven't done so yet, I would appreciate if you would rate, subscribe, and maybe share with others. And please remember that sometimes the pages of life can be heavy, but you don't have to turn them alone. I'll see you next week.